Friday, the 5th of January, the Feast of St. John Neumann. Let's pray through his intercession together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you hear the cry of the poor. You have taught your disciples to hold the poor in special regard. Inspire in all pastoral leaders St. John's love for poverty and the poor. You have sent your disciples out to all the world to preach the good news. Protect in your love all pastors who serve far from their native place. You call your servants to leave home and family for the service of the gospel. Grant parents the generosity to allow and encourage their children to respond to your call as Mary allowed her son to leave his home. O Lord our God, you sent your son among us as a stranger stripped of all his majesty and privilege, that from his poverty the entire world might be enriched with the incomparable gift of redemption. Sustain all pastors who desire to set their people's needs above their own, and inspire all who hear the call to serve. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Neumann, pray for us. I know there are many parishes throughout our listening area named for today's saint. We'll talk a lot more about him as the morning continues. I'm Matt Sway. Amanda Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. If you want to see what two people with colds look like trying to do a morning show, it's, uh, it's fun stuff. But check it out. Uh, it's in the Facebook feed and the YouTube feed through sunrisemorningshow.com. We're going to talk about the uh, journey of the Magi and what uh, T.S. Eliot had to say about it with Amy Wellborn. Of course, the Feast of Epiphany is tomorrow. Rita Heikenfeld has some cold and flu remedies that have some Bible herbs and spices in them. She'll share those with us. Ken Craycraft will discuss an abortion pill case. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo has readings for the Sunday Mass that he'll unpack as well. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading of the recent Declaration on Blessings, which asserted that people in irregular relationships, including same-sex relationships, could receive non-liturgical blessings. In the release, Cardinal Fernandez offers an example. He writes, During a pilgrimage, a couple of divorced people, now in a new union, say to the priest, Please give us a blessing. We cannot find work. He is very ill. We do not have a home, and life is becoming very difficult. May God help us. In this case, Cardinal Fernandez says the priest can recite a simple prayer like this, Lord, look at these children of yours. Grant them health, work, peace and mutual help. Free them from everything that contradicts your gospel and allow them to live according to your will. Amen. Then it concludes with the sign of the cross on each of the two persons. Cardinal Fernandez says, quote, does it make sense to deny these kinds of blessings to these two people who asked for them? End quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Association of German Catholic Journalists, stressing to them the importance of Catholic communicators in providing information without fueling conflicts, even in the church, 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis encouraged the German Catholic journalists to pursue the long-standing engagement of their association in promoting ecumenical and interreligious dialogue, peace, freedom and human dignity. He noted that these objectives are particularly relevant in today's world where many conflicts are fueled by fake news and inflammatory statements amplified by the media. He therefore highlighted their role in building bridges and practicing a communication which is respectful towards others. Pope Francis then went on to reflect on the German synodal path, which has aroused several concerns over the possible consequences for the unity of the Church, also in light of the parallel 2021-2024 universal synodal process. Pope Francis recalled two crucial aspects he highlighted in his 2019 letter to the Catholic Church in Germany, the centrality of the Holy Spirit in ecclesial renewal and the universal and Catholic dimension of the Church, so as not to conceive faith life as something relating only to one's own cultural and national context. In light of this, Pope Francis again stressed the precious role of Catholic communicators in providing correct information, helping mutual understanding and not conflict within the Church. Finally, Pope Francis also invited the German Catholic journalists to continue drawing public attention to the poor, migrants and refugees and all those who live on the margins of society. There is a need for communicators who highlight the stories and faces of those to whom few or no one pays attention, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. Police are confirming a sixth grade student is dead after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa school. It happened during the first day back for students at Perry High School, which is around 40 miles northwest of Des Moines. There are also a handful of gunshot victims who are in the hospital. The 17-year-old shooter, who was a student there, took his own life and also left behind an explosive device that was diffused. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds said their hearts are heavy and offered her condolences. Israel is announcing its plans for the future of Gaza after the war is over. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant on Thursday outlined proposals for the future governance of Gaza and said Hamas would no longer run the territory and that Israel would retain security control. In a statement, Gallant's office said, quote, Palestinian bodies will be in charge of Gaza with the condition that there will be no hostile actions or threats against the state of Israel. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is expected to be back in Israel this week to hold talks with Palestinian officials in the West Bank. The holiday season set a new online shopping record. Brian Shook has more. Americans spent $222 billion shopping from November 1st through the end of 2023. That's nearly a 5% increase from the previous holiday season, according to an Adobe Analytics report. Adobe credits deep discounts and buy now, pay later options like Klarna and Afterpay. The report shows that Americans are still spending at record amounts despite saying they're not happy with the economy. I'm Brian Shook. And actress Glynis Johns has died at the age of 100. She's famous for her role as Mrs. Banks in the Disney classic Mary Poppins. She died from natural causes in her assisted living home in Los Angeles. She was born in South Africa but moved to England when she was young, where she acted for 20 years before starring in Mary Poppins. She has more than 90 acting credits to her name winning a Tony for her Broadway role in A Little Night Music and an Oscar nomination for her work 
in the Sundowners. I votes for women. I I had no idea Mrs. Banks was still alive. I know, right? That's Isn't that wild. crazy? Mary Poppins was a long time ago. I know. I know. My goodness. Of course, Julie Andrews still with us, of course. So. Yeah, yeah. I could use a spoonful of sugar, Anna Mitchell. Helps the medicine Helps go down, Matt. Medicine go down. Yep, yep. You feeling better? I hope you feel better. I'm, yeah, well, I'm on medication. My sickness is able to be medicated. Well, mine is mostly, uh, you know, lemon and honey kinds of things. Yeah. But well, Rita's going to help you out a little Rita's bit Rita's going to help us all out. Absolutely. Well, today is Friday, January the 5th, the Feast of St. John Neumann. Pray for us. It's eight past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Amy Wellborn. You can read her excellent blog, Charlotte Was Both, over at amywellborn.com. Good morning, Amy. Welcome back. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And reflecting on T.S. Eliot's poem, The Journey of the Magi, what would you say is the essence of this poem? Um, well, it's it's one of my favorites. I think the essence of it is that once we encounter Christ, nothing is the same. Yeah. Um, nothing is the same about us, and nothing is about the same. Nothing is the same about the way we understand the world that we live in. Yeah, and how does that? I mean, we we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany traditionally speaking on on January sixth, the twelfth day of Christmas. Um, you know, the meeting of the Magi and the Christ child. How does that play out with them? Well, the the poem is told from the anonymous perspective of somebody that's on this journey. We don't know if it's one of the Magi themselves or when they're one of their attendants or what. And it because it's told in first person. And it describes the journey as being hard, first of all. Uh, the worst time of the year, it says, and how they often thought about what they had left behind, the warmth and the ease of what they had left behind. And it says at the end, the narrator tells us, were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence, and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here, in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. So what the narrator tells us is that he had thought birth and death was different before, but now he's not so sure um, because one seems to lead to the other, seems to lead to the other, and no matter what, what he had seen has put him ill at ease in his regular life. Um, all he sees now are these, you know, alien people clutching their gods, the old dispensation, that what he has seen, what has been made manifest to him, has taught him something he can't quite articulate it or he doesn't choose to but it's made him uncomfortable in the way the world is today and what i think is so beautiful about this poem by t.s Eliot is that he really uncovers that theological depth that's beneath the surface of of the story of the epiphany isn't there because 
I mean, why do we celebrate this feast? Sure, uh, you know, three kings or however many kings, the Magi came and, and offered gifts to the Christ child. And, and yet the epiphany is meant to mean something to each of us personally. Oh, exactly. And, of course, there's a, a broader theological point that probably many people who heard homilies about it uh, is brought, were brought out, which is that, you know, this emphasizes the coming of Christ to the Gentiles, which essentially means to the whole world, which, as you said, means to us. And so we're confronted with the question and the challenge and the mystery, you know, who are we? Who were we before we met Christ? And who are we now? And, you know, as I said before, epiphany means manifestation. Christ has been manifest in our lives, each of our lives, in different ways many, many times. And for many of us, you know, that experience is initially, you know, very transforming, and we're like set on fire, and we know that we can't be the same. We just know that. But then time passes, right? Mm -hmm. And we get more comfortable again with life as it is, with ourselves as we are. We don't want to change. We don't think we should have to. And then again, we're led to that point of, well, is this really my home? You know, we have to consider that that in Christ in the manger, what we see is this great tension of Christianity lying there. The fact that, yes, God is with us. God, you know, Emmanuel means God is with us. The kingdom of God is within us. But at the same time, Christ tells us through this that there is a glory in this manger that is kind of beyond what we see and Lee calls us and challenges us to look at the world and to consider you know, that this is not our home, that the journey has brought us to Christ at the manger, the journey will take us other places, and the journey will eventually lead us home, and this is not it. You know, you, you talk about this idea of, of having an encounter with Christ, um, mm-hmm. and, and we talk about how we can never be the same, and, and people automatically think that this is going to be some some big triumphal moment of, of just absolute change in our lives. And then when you look at how that happens to some people, and it does, this miraculous coming of Christ into their lives, and, and it is a, a big event— um, and then you say, well, I, I have never really experienced that. And, you know, I was mm-hmm. pondering, I was pondering that, Amy, and in light of, of what you wrote here at your, at your blog. And, you know, I think a lot of people know that, that Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. Mm-hmm. I think fewer people know that in Arabic, Bethlehem translates to house of flesh. And I think mm-hmm. as Catholics, we can see that, there, I mean, when you look at that, there's no accident that Christ would be born <laughs> In Bethlehem. So in a way, every time we approach the Eucharist, this could be our own personal epiphany. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, you know, that's why we make a big deal of it, right? And that's why we don't, we try not to take it for granted. And I mean, that is so wise. That's exactly right. And that every time we approach Christ in the Eucharist, we are Christ approaching the manger. And so it's not about our emotions. You know, it's not about how we feel and some kind of high, right? Mm -hmm. It's about 
faith in its most elemental form, which is seeing Christ in the manger, seeing Christ in the Eucharist, praising Christ, laying down ourselves as gifts before him, the gifts we have, and going forth, knowing that we're changed, you know, open to change, not maybe able to define that, but knowing that with Christ within us, we're called to go forth into the world carrying him, manifesting him ourselves. And that can make us uncomfortable, no longer at ease, right? Because we have to sacrifice. And it's not even just about, you know, big gestures, as you said. It's about small gestures. It's about encountering the Christ manifest in the Eucharist and going home and being changed in a way so that I'm a little bit more patient with my family, so that I do things with a cheerful heart that I don't want to do, (laughs) so that I go forth and I actually meet my physical neighbors and encounter them uh, instead of just being on a screen, you know. And it's certainly less comfortable, especially for us introverts, (laughs) to go out and actually encounter other human beings in the flesh. But I think that's, you know, that's what we're called to do is to be to confront that lack of comfort in the world and that lack of ease and understand that this is the world that Christ has entered through us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy Wellborn. You can connect with her at her site, amywellborn.com. We got headlines coming up next. It's 17 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on-air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. For all the details about this exciting opportunity, visit EWTN.com and click on Employment at the bottom of the page to be part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization. Jack's beat just hits harder than our beat. Maybe we should trade beats with Jack Williams and steal his beat for headlines. I am constantly like bobbing my head to that one. I'm like, 
Yeah. And bobbing exactly. in a specific direction and singing Hathaway. Yep. 19 past, here's Anna with headlines. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading of the recent declaration on blessings. Police have confirmed a sixth grade student died after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa high school. And Pope Francis met yesterday with members of an association of German Catholic journalists stressing the importance of Catholic communicators in providing information without fueling conflicts. Well, I hope that you're trying, Anna Mitchell, because I'm trying over here. I'm doing my best. I don't want to... Conflict is not my... That's not my game. I'd rather have a spelling contest. I just want to teach the faith while I learn the faith. Yeah. I know that there are people out there who, like, you know, can get a little clickbaity, but I I hope that we don't veer into that territory intentionally. If we do, let us know. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. True, good, and beautiful. I'm not into fueling conflicts. That's the stuff that'll save the world. Amen. It's 21 past. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. A typical entry in Paul's letters is an expression of thanks to God. In the second letter to the Thessalonians, for example, Paul says, We must always give thanks to God for you, because your faith is growing abundantly. In Colossians, Paul writes, We always thank God, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. To Philippi, Paul writes, I thank God because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. But one letter stands out, because where we expect to hear thanks, we hear this. I'm amazed that you are so quickly forsaking the one who called you. That must have been a shock. And who is on the receiving end of this letter? Oh, you stupid people in Galatia. After you have had a clear picture of Christ Jesus crucified right in front of your eyes, who has put a spell on you? No thanks to the Galatians. Instead, a challenge from Paul for them to get back on the path that leads to life. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com, and something tells me some of you will want to take notes on today's segment because we're going to be talking about some uh, good natural cocktails, as it were, to help people feel better during this time when it seems like Half the people I know are sick. Rita, good morning. Oh, good morning, and one of my kids is as well, so I thought, what a timely topic. All right, so uh, obviously 
these are going to involve some Bible foods and herbs as mm-hmm. well. So let's just go through a few of these and, and talk about what they're for. Uh, let's talk about the immune-boosting OJ. Oh, you know, this is one that's so quick and easy, uh, Matt. It takes not even a minute to make up. Um, and what you're going to start with is some um, fresh orange juice. You can also use the frozen reconstituted or the 100% bottled juice. So basically you've got a cup of that, and you can double or triple the recipe. And then you're going to add some turmeric and some ginger to it, and anywhere from about a fourth a teaspoon of each on. And, you know, um, the ancient Romans, they, they just brought in huge quantities of ginger. And it was funny because it was so abundant, but everyone loved it so much it was highly taxed. So um, ginger also, as we know, and you know, really soothes the tummy. Um, and then the turmeric, excuse me, uh, both of them have antiviral benefits. So just a wonderful drink. Um, and you can make up a, a big batch and put it in the fridge just before you want to drink it, though. Give it a shake because uh, the turmeric and ginger do settle to the bottom. Yeah, nobody wants just a big old swallow of turmeric powder at the bottom of one of those. <laughs> but uh, you've also got a fever-busting punch that uh, that I'm very interested in as well. I think your kids would like this. Um, and it has pomegranates and some grapes. And the, the punch includes some grape juice and apple juice. And we know that both the pomegranates and the grapes were among the seven species of foods that mentioned in De- uh, Deuteronomy, and those were the symbols of the close relationship between the Jewish people and Israel. So I love that. So basically, you just want to take equal amounts of all of these juices um, and use the all-natural, no-added sugar. The fruit punch, which has the, the grape and the apple juice included, uh, pineapple juice and cranberry pomegranate juice. And that is just about it. And, you know, you think of cranberries and pomegranates, they're really good for your digestion, and cranberries especially for your kidneys. But what I love in this is the pineapple juice, because when we were kids, and you tell me if, if your mom did this, whenever we had a sore throat, she would give us pineapple juice. And, you know, she didn't know the science, the science behind it, which um, is this. Pineapples contain bromelain which is really anti-inflammatory and really even good for your, your joints and soothes a sore throat, like cuts through that mucus and all. But it's so funny because she used it. She knew it worked, so that's why I included So basically just equal amounts of fruit punch, pineapple juice, and the cranberry pomegranate juice, and kids absolutely love it, and it's so hydrating. I do remember having pineapple juice from time to time on a sore throat, but I remember having it in those like miniature cans that had like the foil, like piece of foil on top of the can, and like you sort of peeled the foil off the top of the can. And there's, I don't know if you ever had those. I think we also had like apricot nectar in those from time to time too. Yeah, Um, when you your era, of course, my era, it was just in a in a bottle. I'm sure. But, that, yeah, and you could, that's a, a great idea, too, because that way you can pack it in their lunch if, you know, they're, they're feeling a little bad. It works real well. Very good. All right, now this is the one that I'm most interested in and that I might end up making today because I'm on the, I'm on the edge a little bit here. I want to know about the simple ginger tea with cinnamon. Oh, you can't get any easier than this. And um, ginger tea is so popular and it's so delicious. And you, you know from drinking... 
uh, ginger tea and eating ginger. It has a sweet, hot flavor. But it also, this tea also contains honey and um, some lemon juice and, and then a stick of cinnamon. And then talking about the honey, we use the raw honey from our hives, but it's, honey's mentioned over 50 times in the Bible, Matt. I mean, that was the sweetener. They didn't have sugar or sweet and low or anything like that. Um, and then if you do use the raw organic honey, that has antibacterial and antioxidant qualities. And we know not to give honey to babies under the year, um, under a year old. So basically, here's what it is. A uh, couple cups of water and then some fresh ginger to taste. And I'll have a, uh, just leave the skin on and smash it or chop it. And um, a cinnamon stick or even some powdered cinnamon. Basically, you bring the water to a boil, and then you stir in the ginger and cinnamon, and then you have to cover it, Matt, and let it steep, oh, about five minutes or so. Then you strain, um, and then for a boost of vitamin C, I'll add some lemon juice, and then I'll stir in some uh, honey. And again, ginger is so tummy-soothing and anti-inflammatory, and anything uh, that citrus has lots of vitamin C, and we know that's an immune uh, system booster. So cinnamon, um, there's so much in the, the news about cinnamon now. I always say that packs an antioxidant punch. Um, and it's good for your, your heart and just a very soothing spice. And the honey we talked about. So a couple cups of water, some fresh ginger, a cinnamon stick. Let it uh, steep and then strain it out. Add some lemon and some sweetener and you are good to go. Well, if you didn't catch all of that from those three things that we talked about this morning, the immune-boosting OJ, the fever-busting chilled punch, and the simple ginger tea with cinnamon, I've got all those recipes linked in the show notes right now at abouteating.com, but they're actually in the show notes, copied and pasted at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Praying for all of you who are feeling under the weather right now. I know a lot of you are. Rita, thank you as always. I can make a lot of this because all this stuff is almost already in my kitchen. Well, there you go. Pineapple juice. I'm glad about that. Well, it is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading of the recent Declaration on Blessings, which asserted that people in irregular relationships, including same-sex relationships, could receive non-liturgical blessings. In the release, Cardinal Fernandez stresses the church teaching has not changed. He says, quote, The real novelty of this declaration, the one that requires a generous effort of reception and from which no one should declare themselves excluded, is not the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations. It is the invitation to distinguish between two different forms of blessings, liturgical or ritualized, and spontaneous or pastoral. He writes, quote, If two people approach together, seek the blessing, one simply asks the Lord for peace, health, and other good things for these two people who request it. At the same time, one asks that they may live the gospel of Christ in full fidelity and so that the Holy Spirit can free these two people from everything that does not correspond to his divine will and from everything that requires purification. He said, if this is clarified as a result of good catechesis, we can free ourselves from the fear that these blessings of ours may express something inadequate. We can be freer and perhaps closer and more fruitful ministers 
with a ministry that is full of gestures of fatherhood and hospitality without fear of being misunderstood, end quote. In other news, police have confirmed a sixth grade student has died after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa high school. It happened during the first day back for students at Perry High School around 40 miles northwest of Des Moines. There are also a handful of gunshot victims who are in the hospital. The 17-year-old shooter, who was a student there, took his own life and also left behind an explosive device that was diffused. Israel is announcing its plans for the future of Gaza once the war is over there. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant on Thursday outlined proposals for the future governance of Gaza and said Palestinian bodies will be in charge with the condition that there will be no hostile actions or threats against the state of Israel. The Apostolic Nuncio to Ukraine spent Christmas there and says the light of Christ shines even in the midst of war. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Even at Christmas time, the war has not gone away. The war continues, says Archbishop Visvaldus Kulbakas. Ukraine is spending its second Christmas under the specter of war, with the tragic conflict showing no signs of abating almost two years on from the full-scale invasion of the country by neighboring Russia. Russia has stepped up its winter bombardment of urban areas, with Ukraine's two largest cities, Kiev and Kharkiv, coming under massive attack on the second day of the new year. Ukrainians were not spared even on Christmas Day, with Archbishop Kolbokas noting air alerts and bombs falling even in the midst of the Christmas liturgies. But in this sense, he adds, Christmas stands out even more. Because the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, shines in the difficulties. While noting that no one in the city has been exempt from the terror, the nuncio explains the meaning of Christmas nonetheless becomes clearer. As Jesus says, do not seek peace in the world because the world can't give it to you. So seek peace in my arms. The Lithuanian prelate spent Christmas Day itself in Kharkiv, where he says he went in order to pray better and to be with those who are suffering. Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine is one of the hardest hit places in the country. Archbishop Kobolka says his visit helped him see the deepest meaning of Christmas when he is able to pray together with the faithful in the cathedral. Celebrating Christmas with them is the most profound experience there can be, he said, and this is exactly what I was looking for, to pray with those who live Christmas seriously. He notes that even in the most tragic circumstances, Christmas remains joyful because Jesus, our Redeemer, is born. I'm Christopher Wells. The U.S. will be sending military logistical support to parts of Japan that were devastated by a powerful earthquake. The 7.6 magnitude quake killed at least 92 people on New Year's Day and left more than 30,000 homeless. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Will the Holy Spirit abide with the church forever? The Holy Spirit will abide with the church forever and guide it in the way of holiness and truth. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not leave us orphans, he tells us. No, rather he sent us a comforter, a counselor, the one who will abide with us until the end of days. Because the church is the mystical body of Christ, well, the Holy Spirit is the soul of that mystical body. He gives us holiness. He is the master of the interior life. He prays on our behalf with inexpressible groans. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of saints. And he guides us to truth. He leads us to all truth as Christ promised. And so we can see that manifested through the papacy and the charism of infallibility, but also through the teachings of the church which have been consistent in tradition all the way from Christ, from the foundation of the very beginning with the Holy Spirit. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this feast of St. John Neumann of Philadelphia. Pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And in terms of news of interest to the pro-life community, a case out of Texas involving the abortion pill regimen made headlines in 2023 and will be making headlines in 2024 and probably in 2025 as well. The Supreme Court announcing last month that they will hear arguments in Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine v. Food and Drug Administration. What is at issue in this case? At issue is, and it's important to understand the nuance of this case because it is very nuanced. Technically, it is not an abortion access case. Sure. Technically, it is an administrative law review case. Obviously, the abortion medication uh, mifepristone is at issue, but that's and, and that's why it was brought. The case was brought because it is a, an abortion medication. But the challenge that the challengers brought to the medication and, and in the Texas court was not to the medication itself, but to the FDA's procedure in, in initially uh, approving mifepristone and, and other chemical uh, chemical abortion uh, drugs, abortion pills, and then arbitrarily making uh, th basically three changes to the regulations after the initial uh, uh, approval. Hmm. So what's at issue here is the APA's authority to approve the chemical uh, drugs for abortion, and then their changes to that regulation, to that approval, without the uh, the plaintiffs say, without sufficient 
and necessary procedures that the uh, and that the FDA is required to go through uh, in order to approve these drugs. So what's at issue is the authority of the APA to amend the regulations in 2016, 2020, and 2021, and we can talk about the specifics of those amendments. Now, it's important to note here, Annie, that the original case before the court in Texas, in the district court in Texas, sought to uh, have the court uh, uh, strike down approval of uh, mifepristone altogether, right. uh, which dates back to an FDA approval in the year 2000. The court, uh, the Texas court, uh, did do that, but that part of the law was struck down by the Fifth Circuit, but not the 2016, 2020, and 2021 amendments. So that's what's before the court. The court, the Supreme Court in December, as you say agreed to hear a challenge to the 2016, 2020, and 2021 amendments to the regulation. But it's important to note the court did not, did not agree to hear the challenge to the 2000 approval. So regardless of what happens in this case, the initial approval is going to stand. Uh, sure. what, will, what may not stand are the modifications that the court made. Which are expansions. So 2020 and 2021 were things involving, I believe, getting it through the mail. I don't remember what 2016 was. Yeah. So, and there were other changes in 2021, too. But let's go back to 2016 first. So the initial approval allows mifepristone to be be administered by a physician. It requires three visits to a hospital. Now, this is the initial approval. I'm sorry, three visits to the doctor. And uh, and it can be administered up to seven weeks of gestational age, seven weeks. In 2016, and the plaintiffs claim without... Uh, proper uh, without following proper procedures under the Administrative Procedure Act, FDA changed that uh, to 10 weeks or 70 days. In other words, it allows uh, the abortion pill to be used on a later developing fetus, which of course uh, heightens the risk that the fetus has more developed uh, neurons and more developed nervous system and therefore obviously is able to uh, feel pain. It also increases the health to the health to the risk risk to the health of the woman because the fetus is more fully developed, obviously, after 10 weeks than it is after seven weeks. Um, So that was the 2016 uh, uh, um, change. And it also reduced the number of in-person office visits. Uh, In 2000, the original regulation required the woman to make three. In 2016, the FDA said that the woman only has to make one. Mm -hmm. It also allowed non-doctors to prescribe and administer the drug. That is the 2016 change. So these are the most substantive ones. And it eliminated the requirement for prescribers to report non-fatal adverse events. And again, these are the 2016 changes. So those were very substantial changes. Those, however, were not challenged until the changes that were made in 2020 and 2021. And you're right, it made it easier to get the pills. In 2020, some sort of as a nod to, nod's not the right word, as a concession to COVID, uh, the FDA uh, made an emergency ruling that the pill could be dispensed through mail uh, without the nece- without the necessity of uh, visiting the pharmacy to get it. In 2021, uh, the FDA made that change permanent, right. and it's the 2016, 2020, and 2021 actions by the FDA broadly expanding access to the pill, 
raising the gestational age at which it would be used, eliminating the need for three doctor visits, eliminating the need for to be prescribed by a doctor, and eliminating the need for the prescriber to report serious injury caused by the pill if it doesn't kill the woman who took it. Okay, now I've learned in segments with you over the years, Ken, that the courts sort of I guess you could say default position is to not be heavy handed with federal agencies and allow the experts to do their work without too much interference from from the court. So where do you think the line is? Does this seem like a case where uh, the, the court could step in? First of all, you are correct, and we call this deference, and there are different types of deference that the courts, that federal courts will give to uh, federal agencies, regulatory agencies, based upon the Administrative Procedure Act, and that includes this one. So there is a default of deference to the administration itself. So it's a high hurdle if someone wants to overturn a regulation or challenge a regulation, it's a high hurdle. And the the hurdle, the, uh, the standard is basically this. Did the regulatory agency, in this case, the FDA, act arbitrarily and capriciously Mm. in the 2016, 2020, and 21 changes to the regulation? And arbitrary and capricious are actually the words that the court uses. And in order to determine that, it will look at whether or not the the, uh, regulatory agency went through the processes that are necessary for the agency to make changes, which includes public notice, public hearings, uh, a time for uh, uh, the public to read the uh, the, uh, the proposed amendment and so forth, or did it act arbitrarily and capriciously? And the plaintiffs in this case are saying, telling the court that not only did the FDA act arbitrarily and capriciously, but that it endangers the health and life of women, especially by the uh, removal of the need to visit a physician, need to visit anybody more than one time. And of course, the mail, the basically the mail order uh, regime that's in case in place now. I I believe that the court, I believe there's a good chance that the court will be very suspicious of the 2016 and following amendments in this case, Annie, because it doesn't seem that the court did do or the regular, the FDA did uh, conduct the proper procedures, the proper procedural mm. uh, hearings and publication that are required in order to make substantive changes to regulations. Of course, the FDA is saying all they did was tweak the regulation. The plaintiffs are saying, no, they essentially changed it without going through the proper procedures as required by the APA, and therefore the change was arbitrary and capricious. The court took the case, which is a good sign, I think, that the court will intervene and hold up the, the fifth, hold up the uh, Texas uh, uh, um, conclusion that the 2016, 2020, and 2021 regulations are arbitrary and capricious. But but the court has said uh, by denying the appeal of the 2000, the original regulation, that it's not going to visit that at all. All right. Well, still some wide ranging consequences that uh, could come about from this if uh, they do step in, as you say, this might indicate since they are taking up the case at all. There will be much more to say once the oral arguments happen. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft. Ken, really appreciate your uh, your analysis this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. All right. It's uh, 13 till Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? 
Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mine decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. Mother dishes out teaching, advice, laughter, and plenty of prayers as she takes calls from her family. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's so great to be back with everyone here at the Sunrise Morning Show. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Blessed Epiphany. I mean, it's a, this is a wonderful season. This is such a wonderful season, and those greetings back to you as well, Father. It's good to have you back. And for Mass on Sunday, we will be commemorating the Solemnity of the Epiphany, though traditionally, of course, it would be celebrated on January 6th. We move it to Sunday this weekend. And the first reading comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60, in which Isaiah says, Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. Unpack this reading for us. Yeah, well, this is a later section of Isaiah in which the post-Babylonian restoration of God's people is prophesied, and it's very beautiful. It's basically a reversal of everything that has taken place uh, in the life of God's people over a period of about, well, 70 years, but really over a period of about 150 years, in which, in which the entire kingdom of David collapses under its own weight, we need to remember that Jerusalem, and the Holy Land by extension, and by the whole, the whole world by extension, but Jerusalem and the temple is God's dwelling place. And when man does not live according to God's ways, then he can no longer live in God's home. And so the Babylonian exile takes place because the people of God become weighed down by their own sins, enslaving their brother, not forgiving debt, uh, and so forth, and worshiping false idols, and they become like animals, unable to lift up their eyes to worship the true God. And so Isaiah here prophesies a restoration after the 70 years 
of exile, but ultimately a restoration which will only fully take place with the coming of the Messiah, the King, the Anointed One, who will restore the kingdom of David. And when that happens, then this prophecy is so powerful, what it will look like, that, that God's people once again become what they were meant to become, and that is a light which enlightens the whole world. And the, the entire world now will be collected. Not only will Jews be taken from the diaspora that took place when the Assyrians and Babylonians conquered, not only will the Jews come back home, if you will, be gathered again to the temple of God, but all of the enemies of God's people will come and bow down and worship the one true God. Yeah, nations shall walk by your light, he says. He says, raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your heart shall throb and overflow, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied before you. The wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. So interesting when you think about maybe the immediate fulfillment of that, when you think about like Cyrus the Great giving the Jews all of this wealth to go back and rebuild the temple. But then it goes on to say, caravans of camels shall fill you, dromedaries from Midian and Ephah, for all from Sheba shall come bearing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord, which of course we see fulfilled in the story of the Magi coming to see the newborn king in Matthew chapter 2, which is our gospel this weekend. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Once you realize, I think for so many, hearing the stories of what takes place in the nativity narrative, it's, it's a quaint story, it's nice in artwork, it's, mm-hmm. uh, isn't that lovely that they came and offered gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and these things. But of course, if we don't know the Old Testament, we won't see the significance of what's taking place. And here, this is, is made very, you know, comes right out because the church is placing it right before us from Isaiah to Matthew to see the coming of the Magi as the fulfillment of the expectation of God's people prophesied by the prophets, saying this is what it's going to look like. And here, indeed, it takes place. Yeah. So, Father, who are these men that come to see baby Jesus? Well, there's, there's a lot of theories out there about who these guys could be, but one thing we know for certain, and that is that for the previous 500, 600 years, um, uh, 700 years, God's people have gone to the east, right? They've been exiled to Babylon, down into Egypt, and um, well, Egypt is south, but nevertheless, they were exiled beyond the, the borders of the Holy Land. And so the prophets are known out there in you say, the far reaches of civilization. And most likely, these guys are guys that either are Jews themselves from a, from a distance coming, knowing both the pagan world and the Old Testament prophecies, or they themselves are, are pagan uh, Babylonians or Persians coming, who have encountered the, the Word of God, that this would indeed take place. And having done the calculations... Um, as prophesied by Isaiah, that this would indeed take place at this time, that a great king would rise upon the earth, and all of what Isaiah said would come to fulfillment. Um, that we have a beautiful talk. Dr. Michael Barber joined us for this wonderful talk, Star of Wonder. You can go to our website, free of charge, at instituteofcatholicculture.org, and listen uh, to his insights regarding the Magi. And, um, uh, but isn't it beautiful now? We see now the fulfillment of of the expectation of God's people in the Old Testament, here revealed to us this beautiful story of the Magi. Yeah, and these three kings, these three Magi, 
really represent all the nations, right? This is this is Jesus sort of taking the job of the Israelites, which is to be a light to the nations. Well, we need to see Christ as, as that star, this, the, the one who attracts the whole of the Old Testament and here the whole of the ancient world to him, but then enlightens the path forward, uh, enlightening the Church. And we see this in the reading from St. Paul also, that the Christian now, baptized into Christ, becomes a light to the nations. Um, it, the Word of God becomes a light to the nations. The entire This is what is so beautiful about this feast day. Epiphany really means, for, in Greek, epiphane, to show, to show from above. It, it, is a, it is a showing forth, a shining of God himself upon the world, and that happens in the person of Jesus Christ, as the Magi bow down to him. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, I know you talked about Dr. Barber's talk, Star of Wonder, but there's also a patristics course, and registration is closing soon on that. Where can listeners get more info? Yeah, from instituteofcatholicculture.org. We're entering upon a semester, really a year-long course, uh, with Dr. John Papino from the Fraternity of St. Peter's Seminary with Patristics 101 and 102. This is giving a wonderful opportunity to dive deep into the insights and writings of the Church Fathers. Do you want, do you want that light of, of, of God to shine upon you and enlighten your path in 2024? Come and visit the Institute of Catholic Culture and register for Patristics 101 and 102. Find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I know I'm looking forward to it. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. It is Friday, the 5th of January, the Feast of St. John Neumann, or Newman, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, Let's pray the collect for Mass for his feast day in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, who called the Bishop St. John Neumann, renowned for his charity and pastoral service, to shepherd your people in America, grant by his intercession that as we foster the Christian education of youth and are strengthened by the witness of brotherly love, may constantly increase the family of your church. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. St. John Neumann, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad to be with you in this first full week of 2024 as we head towards the weekend and the Feast of Epiphany. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And Travis has got a video feed up and running. You can find it through sunrisemorningshow.com or check us out through Facebook or YouTube. We're on all those places at this point. Emily Jaminet is going to be along with us on a first Friday to talk about holy habits from the Sacred Heart. Father Rob Jack will talk about why we read so much from the Gospel of John in these days right after Christmas. We also celebrate the Feast of St. John 
just a few days ago. Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, also Father Jonathan Duncan, to preview the Mass readings for Sunday. So please do stay with us if it's a possibility for you. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading of the recent declaration on blessings, which asserted that people in irregular relationships, including same-sex relationships, could receive non-liturgical blessings. In the release, Cardinal Fernandez offers an example of what this kind of blessing would look like. He he writes, during a pilgrimage, a couple of divorced people now in a new union say to the priest, please give us a blessing. We cannot find work. He is very ill. We do not have a home and life is becoming very difficult. May God help us. In this case, he says, the priest can recite a simple prayer like this. Lord, look at these children of yours. Grant them health, work, peace, and mutual help. Free them from everything that contradicts your gospel and allow them to live according to your will. Amen. Then it concludes with the sign of the cross on each of the two persons. He says, does it make sense to deny these kinds of blessings to these two people who ask for them? Citing the text of the declaration, Cardinal Fernandez says, quote, it remains clear, therefore, that the blessing must not take place in a prominent place within a sacred building or in front of an altar, as this would also create confusion, end quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the Association of German Catholic Journalists, stressing to them the importance of Catholic communicators in providing information without fueling conflicts, even in the church. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis encouraged the German Catholic journalists to pursue the long-standing engagement of their association in promoting ecumenical and interreligious dialogue, peace, freedom and human dignity. He noted that these objectives are particularly relevant in today's world, where many conflicts are fueled by fake news and inflammatory statements amplified by the media. He therefore highlighted their role in building bridges and practicing a communication which is respectful towards others. Pope Francis then went on to reflect on the German synodal path, which has aroused several concerns over the possible consequences for the unity of the Church, also in light of the parallel 2021-2024 universal synodal process. Pope Francis recalled two crucial aspects he highlighted in his 2019 letter to the Catholic Church in Germany, the centrality of the Holy Spirit in ecclesial renewal and the universal and Catholic dimension of the Church, so as not to conceive faith life as something relating only to one's own cultural and national context. In light of this, Pope Francis again stressed the precious role of Catholic communicators in providing correct information, helping mutual understanding and not conflict within the Church. Finally, Pope Francis also invited the German Catholic journalists to continue drawing public attention to the poor, migrants and refugees and all those who live on the margins of society. There is a need for communicators who highlight the stories and faces of those to whom few or no one pays attention, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. Police have confirmed a sixth grade student is dead after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa school. It happened during the first day back for students at Perry High School around 40 miles northwest of Des Moines. 
There are also a handful of gunshot victims who are in the hospital currently. The 17-year-old shooter, who is a student there, took his own life and also left behind an explosive device that was diffused. Israel is announcing its plans for the future of Gaza once the war is over. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant yesterday outlined proposals for future governance of Gaza, saying Palestinian bodies will be in charge with the condition that there will be no hostile actions or threats against the state of Israel. The holiday season set a new online shopping record. Brian Shook has more. Americans spent $222 billion shopping from November 1st through the end of 2023. That's nearly a 5% increase from the previous holiday season, according to an Adobe Analytics report. Adobe credits deep discounts and buy now, pay later options like Klarna and Afterpay. The report shows that Americans are still spending at record amounts despite saying they're not happy with the economy. I'm Brian Shook. And several teams are hoping to clinch playoff berths in this final week of the NFL regular season. The action begins tomorrow when the Steelers visit the Ravens in Baltimore. Pittsburgh sits just outside of an AFC wildcard spot at 8-8, eight and eight, while the Ravens already earned the top seed in the conference. In the nightcap, the Houston Texans battle the Colts in Indianapolis for a shot at the AFC South crown. Both teams sit at 9-7. and seven. Jacksonville shares that same record as their divisional rivals and as their divisional rivals and kicks off against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville on Sunday. A showdown takes place at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday night when the Buffalo Bills square off against the Miami Dolphins. The winner will take home the AFC East title. There's a lot up in the air. There's a whole bunch up in the air. Crazy. You know, as you're reading that... It strikes me, and I don't know that it's ever hit me this way before, but there are a lot of NFL teams that have cowboy-related imagery mm. in their in their names. You okay. got the you got the Texans, sure, playing the Colts, mm-hmm. right? The Texans are like a, you know, they're like a like a steer or something. You got the right. uh, the Broncos. The Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills, which is literally the name of an actual famous cowboy. I don't know. I just it's it's just struck me as you said this. Interesting. You got lions and bears and like Steelers and Packers and Ravens and Packers and Steelers, which are like industry names. Commanders. Commanders, which is an industry name. (laughs) Then there's some birds. Yep. Lots of birds. Few animals, cats, you know. Mostly cats and birds from there on out. What is a brown? Uh, it's an industry name. <laughs> <laughs> Today is Friday, January the 5th. It is the Feast of St. John Neumann. Pray for us. Big happy feast day to all of you listening on Holy Spirit Radio in Philadelphia. Emily Jaminette is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Her latest book is called Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It is good to have you. And we're going to be doing a series on your book, Getting Together Every First Friday, which, of course, is devoted to the Sacred Heart. So fitting that in this new year um, we would... I mean, it sounds like a pretty good resolution to, you know, foster 
holy habits from the sacred heart. But just to make sure that we all know what we're getting into together this year, Emily, what do, what does that mean? What are holy habits from the sacred heart? Well, I think it's just an amazing devotion, the sacred heart of Jesus. Jesus extended his heart um, outside of his body to St. Margaret Mary 350 years ago, uh, which was marked by December 27th. So it's pretty unbelievable, this anniversary. And it's timeless. It's a timeless devotion where he continues to pour out his grace from his heart. The question is, what is our response? Mm. So these holy habits come from our deep love from Christ and then our behaviors changing and those around us impacted by our love for Jesus. And thus they're um, they're able to better live out their faith and encounter the gospel. So it's really important that we don't just have faith, but we share it with others. Absolutely. And so it is so good to to dive into these habits that you have in the book uh, throughout this year in in growing in love um, in response to that love, as you were saying, that Jesus extends to us from his most sacred heart. So what is the first holy habit that we will be discussing today, Emily? Well, the first holy habit is the um, experiencing God's love with docility. And I thought the best place to start is making sure that we open our hearts to the Lord. And, you know, docility is the opposite of pride and stubbornness, which often blinds us and misleads us and, you know, prevents us from seeing truth. It is the ability of letting go and letting God. And um, I have to say, Annie, our greatest example of docility is truly the Blessed Mother in her fiat, which we've been really uh, focusing on and, and um, meditating on during the past Advent season. Yeah, most definitely. And this is something, I mean, we are not sinless like Mary was, but this is something that we can foster in our own hearts. I mean, the Lord says so in, in what is it? Is it Ezekiel, I think, where he says that I'll take your stony hearts and get, make them hearts of flesh. I love that scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Where Jesus or God gives us this analogy of taking stone to flesh. And a lot of times I tell people, it's not that we're just these bunch of hard hearted Catholics, but we might have a few pebbles lodged up there <laughs> that, you know, are preventing us from returning love for love. And that's what this devotion is about. Even first Friday reparation, responding to the love that God has for us and then returning that love to him and others. And you know, as we look at docility, it's it's about being open to changing some patterns in our life, some thought processes, some behaviors that are sinful and wrong, such as anger or, you know, even sloth or despair or, you know, these these sins that we continue to just live with. But yet God has so much more in store for us. And we know that path is holiness so that we can be with him forever. And so then where does docility start? But I guess perhaps recognizing those pebbles in our hearts and offering them to the Lord in, in the sacrament of confession. Yes, I think that's a great place to start. And as we look at, you know, focusing on the first Friday devotion, the, the connection between confessing our sins and then being rightfully prepared to receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, right? It's this beautiful cycle of, of humility and and saying that we are sorry for our wrong sins 
and then being be able to better receive the graces offered to us. And I love Annie to think of it as, you know, let Lord give me a spiritual heart transplant, right? Yeah. Just change this heart of mine. And I, I met last night with a, a bunch of fellow Catholics and we were talking about this devotion and the gentleman next to me said, sometimes I think of myself, my, my heart as an old shoe. And it was like mm. this old shoe in my chest, Lord, just take this old shoe and, and renew it and restore it. But part of the docility is what is even your heart look like? Is it hard hearted? Is it worn out? Is it beat down? Lord, you know, just like Jesus gave St. Margaret Mary a, a tiny bit of his heart into her heart at this beautiful apparition, you know, Lord, restore my heart. Give me some new grace and, and renew me so that I can better love those around me. And so finally, Emily, before we let you go, how would you encourage people to pray for this habit, this virtue of docility? Well, I think the first, very first step is I, I meditating on that scripture, Revelation 3.20, where, you know, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, then I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. You know, mm. is your heart ready for Jesus? You know, are you willing to take the first step? Are you willing to get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't have it all together. You know, please meet me where I'm at today. Show me your love so that I can return love for love and take that first step. I think that's the best place to start is, you know, being open, docility, being open, saying yes, and being willing to change so that those graces can flow in a whole new way. Yeah, I love how you write it in the book that um, Jesus wants to enter into the messiness of our lives and and he's a spiritual furniture rearranger. <laughs> so you can let him in no matter where your heart is and he will take that opportunity to start rearranging things in the home that is our heart. Pick up a copy of Emily Jaminette's latest book, Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. It's from Ave Maria Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And Emily, if listeners are interested in enthroning the Sacred Heart in their homes, where do they get more information about that? Absolutely. Visit uh, welcomehisheart.com. You can learn everything about enthronement and devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and how to change your heart, each and every one of us. All right. You can find that linked as well. Emily Jaminetti, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. It's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. 
If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The Dr. J Show podcast with Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse features some of the most foremost leaders and thinkers on issues relating to marriage, family, and human sexuality. You can hear the Dr. J Show as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith yesterday put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading of the recent declaration on blessings. Police have confirmed that a sixth grade student has died after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa school. And the Apostolic Nuncio to Ukraine spent Christmas there saying... The light of Christ shines even in the midst of war. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know, yesterday, uh, Anna Mitchell Haley, who does marketing for Sacred Heart Radio, which yeah. produces the show, told me we had like an increase in engagement uh, when I showed my your bare foot socks. No, I think it's your bare foot. No, on nobody video. wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, it's the, uh, it's the everybody wants to see that, you know, I've been meaning to ask you all week, Matt. So for those who watch the video feed, will see that your background changes a little bit from time to time. I change it a lot. And I cannot read what is the album that you currently have on display behind you. It's, uh, Tchaikovsky, the six symphonies. By the L.A. Philharmonic. Why do you have that behind you? It's usually like some, you know, really old, like, yeah, country gospel or Billy Graham mission or or like John Paul II homilies. Yeah. I don't know. Did you just like randomly grab it and put it there? Well, I got pretty back there because Beethoven hasn't rolled over yet. Okay, I see you have your puzzle book in your hand, too. I was just going to say, I have. I was trying to think of a prop, and the only prop I could think of was from the the puzzle I did in in here on American Saints and Blesseds. And the clue, which you're going to get immediately, is who called Niagara Falls his ba- baptismal font? Oh, neat. Neumann? Today's saint. That's saint awesome. John Neumann. Mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Pray with me now the praises of Mary by St. Anthony of Padua. The praises of Mary. Oh, how wondrous is the dignity of the glorious Virgin. She merited to become the mother of him who is the strength and beauty of the angels and the grandeur of all the saints. Mary was the seat of our sanctification, that is to say, the dwelling place of the Son who sacrificed himself for us. And I shall glorify the place where my feet have stood. The feet of the Savior signify his human nature. The place where the feet of the Savior stood was the Blessed Virgin Mary who gave him his human nature. Today the Lord glorifies that place since he has exalted Mary above the choirs of the angels. That is to say, the Blessed Virgin, who was the dwelling of the Savior, has been assumed bodily into heaven. Amen. Father Rob Jack back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is host of Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati. Good morning, Father. Morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. Now, those who go to daily Mass or who at least follow the readings in the lectionary cycle on a regular basis will notice that once we get to the Christmas season liturgically, uh, we start hearing a lot from John, his his letters and his gospel. Why is that? Well, it's, I have always told people when we get to the Feast of uh, Christmas, Matthew and Luke tell us what happens, but John tell us what's it, what does it mean. And the meaning is clearly in one verse. As I said, if, if I ever would get a tattoo, which I wouldn't, but if I did, it would be one verse, John one fourteen. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so for the 12 days of Christmas, we do nothing but reflect on what does that mean, that Jesus has taken on our full human nature, that he is true God and true man. And John, in his first epistle especially, gives us a running commentary on what does it mean for us to say that Jesus has taken, God has taken on our human nature in Jesus. Jesus is real. He is flesh and blood. He has been born of the Virgin Mary, and when we accept that, we ourselves become little children. That's how John constantly refers to us in his epistles, little children. Well, how are we children? We are children because the Christ who was born of the Virgin Mary is now born in our hearts. Mm. You know, it is something that only just occurred to me, but both in the Christmas season, as we look ahead to the theophany and the baptism of the Lord, and then also in the Easter season, very much focused on baptism, because that is how we become children of God, right? 
That's right. And in the Christmas season, we tend to focus on, of course, John's Gospel, especially the prologue, chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. But then we go into the epistles. And what we find there, again, of course, is really John chapter 1 and the first letter of John, because in those things, it's a fleshing out if you're getting back at the time <laughs> of the Incarnation, really. Uh, it is clear for us that John makes it clear we must accept in faith that Jesus has come in the flesh. And he says this because there are people at this time, opponents, false teachers, who are seeing Jesus only appeared to have a human body, because for God to take on a human body is just completely unreasonable and a great scandal to anyone who's ever thought about God in the world. God is totally other than the world. God created the world. Why would God become part of the world? And the answer, of course, is seen in the first letter of St. John. To save us from sin, to make us his brothers and sisters, and to be children of the Father. And what does that mean? You know, we hear the word Antichrist. And the question is, what is Antichrist? Well, John explains that in his letter. He says, anyone who does not accept that Jesus is truly God is Antichrist, mm-hmm. meaning that we must see the reality that Jesus truly is God. He's not just some nice guy. He's not just some philosopher. He is in his very essence God himself, the second person of the Trinity, the effulgence of God's glory. We've heard all that over. And, of course, what we see here is, again, a main theme. And this is a theme we often tie in with Easter, but it's a strong theme in Christmas, too, and that is the theme of light. Yeah. Can you talk more about that? I mean, that's something that comes out in John's prologue as well. Well, the light comes into the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. What we see in the Incarnation, or in the birth of Christ, is that the dark world, which was darkened by sin and death, could only be relit by the Son of God Himself. And He does that by Him taking on our human nature, and by revealing that He is the light of the world, which we hear later on in John's Gospel. And that light, of course, He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. But right in John chapter 13... We hear what? After, G- after Judas leaves, it was night. Mm. Did, the dark- did the darkness overcome it? And John says, no. Why do we say that? Because at early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And so we see the light coming into this world in the Incarnation, and we receive the glory of that light in the Resurrection which is why at Easter time we go back into these same readings, and especially in John chapter 3, when we talk about the story of Nicodemus and being born from above. Absolutely. I mean, all of this, to kind of put it together for, for those of us who are Christians, who have put on Christ, who is the light of the world, Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world as well. Absolutely. And within this context, again, it shows us that baptism is our rebirth, but for that rebirth to happen through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus himself must have become man and must have become flesh. And he is that still today. And this is why I think one of the crises we're facing in the, in the Church now as ever is the question of the reality of Jesus. Is he simply an idea 
or is he truly God and man? And if we treat him only as an idea, then he becomes secondary to our own thoughts and ideas and theories, and we hear that going on. But if we begin to, to, to pierce that and to go into who Jesus really is, and we can only do that through prayer and through the sacraments and through study and God's grace, Amen. we begin to realize the reality is in the incarnate word, not in our thoughts. Amen. Father Rob Jack, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. You bet. And you can find Driving Home the Faith. Listen to it every weekday afternoon at sacredheartradio.com. Find all of our guests in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has put out a new release asking for a full and calm reading on the declar- of the Declaration on Blessings, which asserted that people in irregular relationships, including same-sex relationships, could receive non-liturgical blessings. In the release, Cardinal Fernandez stresses the church teaching has not changed. He says the real novelty of this declaration, the one that requires a generous effort of reception and from which no one should declare themselves excluded, is not the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations. It is the invitation to distinguish between two different forms of blessings, liturgical or ritualized and spontaneous or pastoral. He writes, quote, if two people approach together to seek the blessing, One simply asks the Lord for peace, health, and other good things for these two people who request it. At the same time, one asks that they may live the gospel of Christ in full fidelity and so that the Holy Spirit can free these two people from everything that does not correspond to his divine will and from everything that requires purification. He said, quote, if this is clarified as a result of good catechesis, We can free ourselves from the fear that these blessings of ours may express something inadequate. We can be freer and perhaps closer and more fruitful ministers with a ministry that is full of gestures of fatherhood and hospitality without fear of being misunderstood, end quote. In other news, police have confirmed a sixth grade student has died after a shooting yesterday at an Iowa high school. It happened during the first day back for students at Perry High School around 40 miles northwest of Des Moines. There are also other gunshot victims who are currently in the hospital. The 17-year-old shooter, who was a student there, took his own life and also left behind an explosive device, which was diffused. Israel is announcing plans for the future of Gaza once the war is over. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant yesterday outlined proposals for the future governance of Gaza, saying Palestinian bodies will be in charge with the condition that there will be no hostile actions or threats against the state of Israel. The Apostolic Nuncio to Ukraine spent Christmas there and says the light of Christ shines even in the midst of war. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Even at Christmas time, the war has not gone away. The war continues, says Archbishop Isvaldus Kulbakas. Ukraine is spending its second Christmas under the specter of war, with the tragic conflict showing no signs of abating almost two years on from the full-scale invasion of the country by neighboring Russia. Russia has stepped up its winter bombardment of urban areas, with Ukraine's 
two largest cities, Kiev and Kharkiv, coming under massive attack on the second day of the new year. Ukrainians were not spared even on Christmas Day, with Archbishop Kobolkas noting air alerts and bombs falling even in the midst of the Christmas liturgies. But in this sense, he adds, Christmas stands out even more. Because the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, shines in the difficulties. While noting that no one in the city has been exempt from the terror, Anunci explains the meaning of Christmas nonetheless becomes clearer. As Jesus says, do not seek peace in the world because the world can't give it to you. So seek peace in my arms. The Lithuanian prelate spent Christmas Day itself in Kharkiv, where he says he went in order to pray better and to be with those who are suffering. Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine is one of the hardest hit places in the country. Archbishop Kobolkas says his visit helped him see the deepest meaning of Christmas when he is able to pray together with the faithful in the cathedral. Celebrating Christmas with them is the most profound experience there can be, he said, and this is exactly what I was looking for, to pray with those who live Christmas seriously. He notes that even in the most tragic circumstances, Christmas remains joyful because Jesus, our Redeemer, is born. I'm Christopher Wells. A major winter storm loaded with snow is bearing down on the east. Forecasters say the storm will dump the first major helping of snow on the region in two years. Snow and ice are expected to snarl traffic from the central Appalachians up into New England, From tomorrow into Sunday, six inches to a foot of snow will be common across central and southern New England. That's the news. It's 35 past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are biblical impressions. We often hear about famous last words. The Bible, of course, is no exception. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, addresses the Israelites as he is nearing the end of his life, and he says, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life, then, that you and your descendants may live. Moses spoke those words at the end of 40 years of wandering through the desert with the Israelites. They had left death in the land of Egypt and were going towards life in the promised land. They had seen how often God had spared them from life-threatening hardships in the desert and how God had consistently carried through with his promise to lead them to life. Moses wants them to remember that and never let all the wonderful things that they will enjoy in the promised land get in the way and make them forget that they need God in their lives just as much in the promised land as they did in the desert. Let us pray that we too are among descendants who live because we have chosen life in the Word of God. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear.
The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this feast of St. John Neumann. Pray for us, and a happy feast day to all the parishes throughout the United States of America. There are many named for St. John Nepomucene Neumann, or Newman. It depends on where you live, how you pronounce it. I've been in a couple different areas, and there are... There are options on the pronunciation. Bobby Schindler now joins us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So, uh, unfortunately, 2024 has already got us thinking about some ways that people are trying to expand assisted suicide. What are some things you've been keeping your eye on? Sure, and and we're seeing, I mean, there's just this progression of the legalization of assisted suicide. It's like they're picking off countries. Uh, and, and even here, uh, Matt, United States, and, and we can talk about that in a second. But but just uh, just before Christmas, uh, Cuba um, legalized assisted suicide for the entire country. And uh, Wesley Smith, of course, wrote about it. And Wesley made a a very good point, uh, which uh, you know, many of the people that leave Cuba come to the United States because of our health care, because it's so much better than it is in Cuba. And, and Wesley points out that. Cuba is a very poor country, and people there already have problems uh, getting good care. Um, the, the country is, he says, is plagued by medicine shortage, shortages, and the facilities are inadequate. And he, he, he comments how poor access to medical care and the, uh, the fact that it's socialized medicine, he says it's a toxic combination, and feels that people are going to be driven to euthanasia rather than uh, to be given proper care. So uh, we can see how that's set up to be something that's very dangerous and problematic. And then also, uh, Matt, just after the New Year's, the, the Australia has been, uh, you know, Australia has broken into six states and two territories, and, and they're uh, progressing and, and legalizing assisted suicide in, in many of the states and, and some of the territories. And now, the Australian Human Rights Commission is pushing. You know, it's it's amazing, Matt. What you know, all this targeting children, but they want to legalize assisted suicide for minors and uh, without parental consent, which is just you know you think about these things and it's just insane. I mean, we we call we call minors children children and minors for a reason is because you know their brains aren't developed to make uh, certain types of decisions and they and they need and they need guidance by people that know better, adults. And when it comes to life and death decisions, to allow kids to make those decisions without having any parental consent, I mean, just I think it's, it's an illustration of just how much we've, we've come off the rails that we're even considering allowing kids. And, and this is a push also going on in Canada right now to allow minors to choose death if, uh, if they feel it, it's something that they want to relieve, you know, some type of suffering that they're experiencing. So... Again, Matt, we're seeing this steady progression, and, and I, you know, I hate to be so negative, but uh, this, this, this right-to-die movement and agenda is so aggressive and so persistent, and they're convincing more and more people how, how suffering is a bad thing, and, and so many of us are buying into it that I think it's just a matter of time we're going to see this expansion of assisted suicide, not, not only in the countries that we're seeing, but right here in the United States, where I've read just recently, I think there's 10 states, we have 10 states already that have legalized assisted suicide, and now I think up in 2024, uh, we have at least 10 states that are considering uh, adopting assisted suicide laws for, uh, for the upcoming year. Yeah, it, well, I mean, 
suffering is indeed a bad thing, right? But we have a different perspective on resolving it than the right to die movement has on it, right? We understand that you resolve suffering by trying to figure out how to alleviate it, not by killing everybody who's suffering, right? These are these are uh, important distinctions for us to make, right? It's like uh, there are ways to end war, and it's you know, you could drop 500 nuclear bombs on your enemy and that would be the end of a war, right? Uh, it'd be the end of everything else, too. <laughs> so when it comes to this stuff, it, it just strikes me as you're talking, Bobby, that, you know, when you, you mentioned that people who are, you know, adolescent, I mean, I know my adolescent situation. I was all over the place trying to figure out who I was and what was going on with my life. And I knew all kinds of people who were struggling with way harder stuff than I was. And yet, um, it's not just the right to die lobby, it's a whole bunch of other lobbies that are trying to figure out how to worm their way into get kids to make permanent, irrevocable decisions about themselves at these, at these stages. Things that cannot be reversed. Uh, that they're being targeted for these things. And some might say, well, let them choose, right? Let them, let them have their say. Well, what happens when you let people choose is that eventually it's not really even a choice for a family anymore. The choice gets out of the family and is then made by the government. And we see this – I mean California is a, a, a textbook example of this. Like at a certain point, once these things get rolling too far, the parents aren't even involved, and the parents can be kept in the dark on what a kid wants about some of this stuff. Right, and, and we're even seeing cases, Matt, where parents uh, are, are being taken to court and, and criminalized. You know, you're seeing parents that are being threatened with criminal uh, um, type of decisions when they go against what these kids want, and which is which is really uh, frightening. Um, you know, I think I, I think I, I, I didn't I didn't say this, and I heard it a long time ago, and it's so true. When when I heard someone say the slippery slope never never loses, and, and I think. You know, you can apply that to, to pretty much almost anything that's, that's, that we can consider wicked and evil. And we're seeing it here with this right to die movement and how it's, how it's expanding and this steady progression. You know, man, I thought it was important. I, I, I thought about it last night when I was reading these things. Uh, to, to go back and look at how the, the catechism of the Church feels about euthanasia and assisted suicide, and, and I pulled up, from the second edition, it says, and it's, it's, it's cited in 2277, and I, and I read from it, it says, whatever, whatever its motives and means, direct euthanasia consists in putting an end to the lives of, of handicapped, sick, or dying persons. It is morally un- unacceptable. And it also says, thus, an, an act of, an, of omission which, of itself or by intention, causes death, in order to eliminate suffering, constitutes a murder gravely contrary to the dignity of the human person and to the respect due to the living God, his creator. So, I mean, the, the, the Church couldn't be more clear in its opposition and its, its position that it's a great evil to kill yourself or use uh, euthanasia or assisted suicide to kill another. So I think it's good to be reminded where we, you know, where the Catholic Church, their position when it comes to these types of issues. Well, what's interesting, uh, you know, if you enter the Catechism of the Catholic Church and you hang out in the uh, in the 2200s, you find a bunch of stuff that the world sort of isolates into different pockets and treats as though they're all different issues. But the Church uh, very much 
uh, thinks of these things all as part of the the culture of death uh, because of the way uh, that they all attack the human person. I mean, you see euthanasia uh, around the same time that you see paragraphs about torture and hostage taking (laughs) and some of these other things. Uh, And we might say that, you know, terrorism and hostage taking and torture are over here and euthanasia is over there. But I mean, one doesn't have to look very hard at your story to understand that hostage taking and torture were very clearly part of the whole euthanasia sequence in your own family's life. Right. And it's all attack on the human dignity, Matt. And and there's so many ways now. Uh, I mean, you look at, at, at what you just mentioned, but, but you know, and we focus and we talk a lot about assisted suicide, but there's so many different ways now in healthcare that you can end the life of a person immorally or unethically or, or something that's in grave error and against the teachings of the church. Food and water, for one, uh, which is now considered medical treatment, and food and water through the feeding tube. Uh, however, the church still regards it as basic care, but yet it's being denied and withdrawn to individuals every single day. And again, this goes, this is contrary to the teachings of the church and constitutes a grave evil, but there's so much confusion out there. And, and I think because there is, there is so much, um, there, there hasn't been the clarity. It's, it's just so confusing when it comes to some of these issues, and that's done purposely and deliberately. Uh, and, and it's good to go back to the church and, and read the catechism and read our position and read the Church's position when it comes to respecting the dignity and the, the proper treatment for, for individuals that are sick and dying and how we are to care for them with compassion, love, and, and, um, and you know, to treat them as, as, uh, with the human dignity that, that they possess. Yes, that they possess uh, regardless of what the law says as far as we're concerned. So, Bobby Schindler, thank you so much. We've got Life and Hope linked at sunrisemorningshow.com so people can figure out your mission and figure out how to get help from you and support if they're in this kind of situation. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, we're going to preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan next. It's 13 Till. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius and Inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Are you 
and new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the Daily Mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for your patience with us. It's been a uh, wild start to the year. Our families have been sick. I know many of your families have been sick. Some of your families have been through a lot worse than that. And we are praying for you heading into this Epiphany weekend. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to take a look at the readings for this weekend when we celebrate the Feast of Epiphany. Father Duncan, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I can tell you this. When I was growing up as a Protestant, an evangelical, I never would have parsed Epiphany out and put it 12 days down the calendar and celebrated it in this weird space somewhere towards the beginning of January. Was this something that you ever did growing up? You know, I was trying to think back myself, and honestly, I I don't think it was. I, I I don't remember, other than the fact that, you know, you'd have, you know, three little sort of vaguely ethnic figurines in the nativity set. Um, I don't think we really emphasize that piece of the story, which is so essential because I grew up, as I imagine you did, in a family of Gentiles, of yep. non-Jews. And I imagine 99% of the people listening right now did the same. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And, and this... this this important point that what started at Christmas as ultimately a gift for the Jewish people, you know, the fulfillment of their longing revealed to faithful Jews, um, you know, Mary, Joseph, uh, Elizabeth, Zechariah, you know, what, what began there at the Epiphany, we see that it's the fulfillment of, of course, the prophecy we're going to hear from Isaiah on Sunday, but all of the the Old Testament scriptures, all within the different kinds of writings from the Psalms to the prophets to the law, we see a promise and a pointing forward that one day this gift, that of course will be a gift to Israel, to God's chosen people, but ultimately it's a gift for the universe. It's a gift for all the nations. And Israel is called to bear that gift to the nations, but it's a gift for all people. And of course, in Epiphany, we see a representative group, a remnant of all those people uh, in the wise men being drawn to worship the Christ child. So here's what's interesting to me. Uh, well, there, I mean, there are a number of things that are interesting to me about the Magi. But uh, Matthew's Gospel is very keen on pointing out to the Jewish people that Jesus really is the Messiah. He is the rightful heir to the throne of David and a whole lot more. And yet he's the only one who records this Magi moment. Like, it's not in any of the other Gospels. <laughs> like, it's amazing to me that the Gospel that is most directed at the Jewish people to tell them who the Messiah is, that this is their, the one they've been expecting, is also the one that records this weird moment where the Gentiles get, like, a brief spotlight. Well, I think there's, you know, there's something in the prophetic tradition about that, because all throughout the Old Testament, we see the prophets are constantly having to remind the people, and their, their leaders, the leaders who are faithful, 
are constantly have to, having to remind the people that this, your chosenness as God's people is not for yourself. It's to be a light to lighten the nations. And, of course, that, that happens first through showing the nations who God really is, you know, showing the pagans this is not what God is really like. God is like this. God is a God of, of faithfulness and of love, not like these pagan deities like Baal or Ashtaroth or any of these others. So their, their first vocation was to show him how God is to be worshipped, what he's like, but then ultimately to show the face of God by bringing forth the Messiah. And they're constantly, and this isn't anti-Semitic, it's just the, 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 the facts of the Old Testament story, they're constantly turning that message in on itself and making it about us. And we see that throughout much of the history of God's people, even into the period of the Maccabees, where they finally get their own kingdom, they're free from oppression, and in a generation or two, they themselves have become cruel uh, and violent oppressors. And this is why the Messiah had to come. He couldn't simply uh, free them from external evil, but we all and the Jewish people needed to be freed from our sin, from death, from being right. captive to evil. You know, I don't, I don't think of that as an anti-Semitic notion because I know what it looked like for me as a Christian who thought that growing up in the 80s, uh, Christianity was primarily for me and the people I liked, <laughs> right? Absolutely. That, that people I, I in my social all, strata. We all want to kind of like protect this gift for ourselves and, and say to ourselves, who doesn't, doesn't belong here. I think, I think that's something that we all think, uh, no matter when, or I mean, no matter how late we came to the party, I think we all want to say, well, we're the ones who this is really for, but God's got a lot more generous of a heart than either you or I. And the temptation for, for religious people in general, and this is for, for God's chosen people of old, for us now, is always to turn that inward. And instead of seeking to be a light and seeking to, to minister to and witness to those around us, we end up making the whole thing about us and private religious experience, and, and that becomes the sum total um, of our faith. Well, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Expand our hearts. Uh, help us to not see the people who are not part of us yet, uh, you know, as, as, I mean, I, I need my heart expanded. This is what this tells me, um, that, that there are people in my world that I want to be invited into this fellowship. And so, um, that's, that's, that's part of what Epiphany says to me every year, but Father Jonathan and the, Duncan... The beauty, beauty of the Catholic faith is that it's a universal call for a universal church into a universal kingdom. And if it's not for everybody, it's not the real thing. So, uh, Absolutely. Father Duncan, you want to leave us with a blessing real quick before we let you go? As we begin this new year, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Jonathan Duncan, as we head into this weekend of Epiphany. And uh, there's some great readings. Move your wise men over if they've been hanging out on the side. This weekend is the timing when you get to move them closer to the Nativity. And, uh, yeah, celebrate this gift that Christ is not just the Jewish Messiah. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of the universe and over all and through all. I'm Matt Swain. We'll be back again on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us this week. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.